Did Hannah jinx this thing by not making the Bombers her Grey Cup pick last week? I'm not doing Definitely. it. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I think so. All right. Blame me. I think Matt Nichols heard it and got rattled. I think that's what happened. By me saying I'm not making a prediction? You there can be faith. no other explanation. Yeah, you're right. That's on me, guys. I'm sorry, Matt. What are the Hamilton Tiger Cats going to do without Jeremiah Masoli? And what does this do to the Tiger Cats and their fantasy implications? All that covered and a whole lot more as we welcome you to the Week 8. We're already at Week 8 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Here's the deal. You know it. If you're a regular listener, you're well aware. If not, here's what you need to do. CFLfantasy.tsan.ca. You set your lineup, what you're playing for, a pretty unique prize pack at the end of the year. You've got tickets to the Grey Cup and a trip for two to Calgary for the championship game at the end of the season and a unique championship ring so that you can brag to all of your friends. We're talking about the Ticats. We're talking about Edmonton Eskimos running backs. We're talking about some really interesting matchups in week number eight. My name is Pat Steinberg, and we welcome in Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever to complete our trio for week eight. And yeah, no Jeremiah Mazzoli, Jeff. It is a huge story, both from a football standpoint and certainly from our standpoint talking fantasy. I want one of those rings. So I'm, I'm <laughs> getting ready to catch up to you guys and so I can win myself one of those sweet championship rings. Speaking of rings, going to be a whole lot tougher for the Ticats now without Jeremiah Mazzoli. This one hurts. This one really hurt, guys, because talk about quarterbacks around the league this year and you have all the injuries you have Mike Riley struggling. Like, Mike Riley is a shell of his former self right now. I can't believe he's the one who's not hurt the yeah. way he gets sacked He's the one that's game. standing right now. Three original starters, uh, I believe, still standing mm-hmm. tall right now. And now you have Jeremiah Mazzoli tearing that ACL uh, on, really, I mean, it, a non-contact play. Yeah. He's looking to evade that defender, uh, sort of backtracking a little bit. Just a freak incident. Uh, he's probably done that how many times in practice? Yeah. How many times in a game? And the ACL just goes. Just terrible news. And, and as we talk about this, we'll have a lot of debate about Mazzoli and the Ticats. And sort of two different implications. Number one being, what does this do for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? How does this affect their chances of winning a championship? Sort of drowning out what was a masterful performance by the Ticats against the Blue Bombers and what a lot of people were calling a great cup preview. And number two... What does this mean for a fantasy perspective? Let's talk about the latter, and I'm curious to hear from both of you, because I don't have any Ticats in my lineup, it looks like, this week. I'm curious to hear from both of you uh, what type of effect this has on players in the Ticats lineup. Yeah, it pretty much puts the entire roster on my no-fly zone for Week 8. I have no idea how Evans is going to handle the role. I have no idea who he's going to have chemistry with. We've barely seen him this season. A little bit in that game, a little bit in week two. Until I know something about him, I can't really take any of these guys. It's tough to argue. And I know there's a lot of people who are high on Dane Evans right now, like, you know, CFL.ca's Marshall Ferguson's a big fan of his. And, and there's a lot to like there. And, and, you know, there's, there's, I'm curious to see. This is the second elite big name quarterback to go down long term this season. Obviously, Bo Levi Mitchell in Calgary was the first. And, and Nick Arbuckle's record and Nick Arbuckle's performance has been pretty solid since he's taken over. But, I think it's pretty clear that Arbuckle's not Bo Levi Mitchell. So what is what is Dane Evans? And and I don't know either. And I'm not putting a lot of Tiger Cats in my lineup this week either. I think I think the interesting one is going to be Evans, just because we talk so much about cost-effective quarterbacks. But it's the same thing. I'm not ready to put him in a lineup as a as a starting quarterback. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very much in a wait and see 
type of mindset when it comes to Hamilton. And and this is not a scenario where we know that the guy's coming back this season. Like in Calgary, we know that Bo's going to be back at some point. We also know that Mazzoli is not going to be back at any point this season. It's a devastating blow for Hamilton's Grey Cup chances. And it's one of the more interesting stories to watch now for the next number of weeks about, okay, what what is Hamilton as a fantasy team? What are some of these big names from Brandon Banks to Luke Tasker, so on and so forth. I'm not sure. So I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm probably not putting much Hamilton in my lineup this week either. And when you look up and down the Ticats lineup, it's not that they aren't good players uh, or that they're not going to produce at all. To me, it comes down to value because these guys are priced as players coming from the best offense in the CFL, where Brandon Banks is 14,000 because of that production. And Luke Tasker's up there. And even Braylon Addison now is finally starting to get up there uh, closer to that that $6,000 salary mark, which is about the value of a wide receiver one in in this game. So at that point, you kind of have to say it's going to be really hard to get a return on that investment uh, if there's any type of drop-off in production in the Hamilton Tiger Cats offense, which there will be. There's guaranteed to be. I mean... You're going from Jeremiah Mazzoli, one of the most exciting players in the CFL, to a quarterback who, and and not to say Dane Evans won't be a good one, he he could very well be, but there's going to be a learning curve there, and and the numbers aren't going to come right away. The question for me now becomes, do the Ticats still win the East without Mazzoli? Because this is where, and I know we're stepping away a bit from the fantasy realm here, but the Ticats are the number one team in the East right now. Do the Montreal Alouettes start to close that gap? And are we looking at the Alouettes as more of a favorite now to take that division? There's a big, there's a big game that, that Montreal's got this weekend. Hamilton's got a big test against Saskatchewan too, but I'm more interested in this game between Montreal and Ottawa because for the Red Blacks, I know they've lost four in a row after what was a somewhat surprising 2-0 start. Ottawa's got an opportunity to move right back into a a really nice, cushy, and tight position with Montreal. So there's a big game for Montreal. They should win. They're they're the team that looks like the superior group right now. If Montreal can, can win some of their next games and some of their bigger tests start to come here in the next number of weeks, if, if Montreal can continue to win more than they lose over the next six or seven weeks, then yeah, I, I think that they might become the team that has the, the best bet. Hamilton's got a nice little cushion, but knowing they don't have their defending East Division MOP throwing balls for them anymore, Montreal might be the team that should be the odds-on favorite to win the East Division. This looks like a pretty good team right now. Let's see what they do over the next six or seven weeks here. Yeah, that four-point cushion over Montreal looks a little bit more daunting when you remember that the Alouettes have a game in hand, too. So I'm not writing off Hamilton. I still think this East is wide open. Uh, definitely quite a blow. And I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty high on the Alouettes right now. I am, too. We'll see. I, I like the value in fantasy. I like the values that are there in some of those players. Uh, you may see that later, spoiler alert, in our, in our locks of the week and money picks. It may reflect. But we're, we're big on the Alouettes this week. Uh, the Alouettes at home against the Ottawa Red Blacks. The Ticats getting ready to travel to Regina to take on the Riders. Pretty tough task for them and for Dane Evans, as we talked about, making that first start of the season. And... Pat Steinberg is on the final leg of his European vacation. Uh, Europat, where in the world is Pat Steinberg this week? I'm coming at you from beautiful Munich, Germany, in the heart of Bavaria, where beer gardens and Lederhosen uh, reign supreme. It's a pretty cool town, I won't lie. And I'll say this about the lovely country of Germany. Uh, there's not a better country to drive in if you've got a lead foot, and that's exactly what I've got. Uh, the Just for the record, legally, my friends, my high mark, 214 kilometers per hour that's a scary on, the, uh, on the Autobahn. And in the vehicle that I'm driving, you don't even feel it. it is the, gra- the Autobahn is the greatest single invention in the history of mankind. I'm biased, but... Uh, Boy, is it fun to drive. So, yes, I'm coming at you from beautiful Munich, uh, where beer gardens are pretty darn cool. I would uh, very much, if you, en- if you enjoy a good party, I recommend Munich. It's real. And the culture there is, is the best because it is exactly what you see when you go to Oktoberfest. It's like 
It's legit. Lederhosen, the, the, my favorite part was going to Hofbrau House and having a giant beer and a really big pretzel. I've had a few of those. And it was a really, and it was a really fresh and a really good pretzel. And, uh, you know, just the whole, everything about it is so traditional and unique, and I love it. Really, really cool place to go. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite places I've traveled to. I can't say I've ever driven as fast as Pat Steinberg has, though. Yeah, that's been, uh, that may or may not be the highlight of the trip so far. All right. So I very much recommend the Autobahn, friends. I really do. Okay, let's uh, look back on week number seven. Enough about what I'm doing and more about what uh, William Powell did in week number seven. I know, uh, Jeff, I'm not, I, I think all three of us might have had him in our lineup for week number seven, but boy, did he have an outstanding game. Best game of his career, three touchdowns, 37 points for our purposes, and at roughly half the price, Shaq Cooper had the second highest score of the week, 28.6. Uh, unlikely candidates leading the way at receiver. Brad Sinopoli finally breaking out uh, 21 points, while Ryan Lankford scored twice on special teams for just over 23. Uh, those are the only four players, by the way, with 20 or more. Not a great week for quarterbacks. We all know about Jeremiah Mazzoli. He went out in the first quarter for Hamilton. McLeod Bethel-Thompson and Mike Riley both had under three points. Jonathan Jennings, Matt Nichols, single digits. Trevor Harris was the highest-scoring quarterback at 19. Cody Fajardo and Nick Arbuckle were next. Outside of that, pretty uninspiring week for a number of the high-salaried and big-name players. Uh, Mazzoli, not so great. Uh, Kadeem Carey and Darvin Adams also left with injuries in week number seven. Congrats to our overall leader through week seven, Western Willie. I know that name. He's up there again, staying on top, and he's got a 20-point cushion after a 108-point week. Uh, better than the three of us, by the way. Uh, the best overall week going to Hansi, uh, or is it Hansi? Pat's case, it would certainly be Hansi. <laughs> Very much a German name, Hans. Uh, he had Shaq Cooper. He had sorry, Shaq Cooper. Speaking like a German now. Shaq. <laughs> William Powell and Ryan Lankford on his way to 146 points. I have to say. Shaq Cooper. A lot of people had him. William Powell, uh, good running back duo. But Ryan Lankford, jumping on that, that is a that is a bold pick. That you know came something we don't in a big way. Yeah. That's really cool. Good for you. Way to take that shot because man, did it work out. When you know a guy's mostly just doing kick returns, he looked dangerous though. Uh, this past week, I my true humble self led the way with ninety point four points. Just thought I'd go with that. That's the second week in a row doing that. Uh, catching up a little bit. Uh, However, Hannah Norman barely clinging to her lead yeah. top the leaderboard after a 63 and a half point week. She is what did I write here? 0. 0. 0.2. 0. 0.2 points ahead of Pat Steinberg. Uh, so it's close at the top. Pat's in second, uh, 674.8 if you're following along. Uh, and I'm in the rear, still about uh, well about 40 points back of the current leaders in our in our group here, our, our loving group of the three of us. I've made up more ground than that. We got two-thirds of the season to go, don't you worry. A long way to go. Let's throw it over to Hannah with the news this week. It's only Monday. Uh, stay tuned, CFL.ca and everything to, to keep up with all the injuries because there are a lot of them. There are. The Ottawa Red Blacks are optimistic that Dom Davis will be able to return this week. Jonathan Jennings has started the last two games at quarterback. Davis took first team reps on Monday. The injury bug has bitten the Bombers, though. Darvin Adams and Drew Walatarski both left the team's Week 7 loss, and both receivers have been sidelined early in the week at practice. One player who's suited up for the Bombers, though, is Chris Matthews. He's been held to just two games this season, but could be back in the lineup this week. It's early, but the Argos continue to be at without James Wilder Jr. The running back missed week seven and has not practiced this week. And in the wake of the season-ending injury to Jeremiah Mazzoli, who tore his ACL, the Ticats have signed David Watford. It will be Dane Evans getting the start for Hamilton in week eight. I, I, I'm interested in that James Wilder news because I got my eyes on Brandon Burks again. He burned me last week. He only got a few points. Uh, he burned me, but I, I'm I'm sticking I'm sticking with him this week if he's in the lineup. It's too too cheap to ignore uh, with a running back, a possible starting running back, just over 2,500. Even if it's the Bombers, pretty daunting, pretty daunting task going against them. Speaking of the Argos, another storyline to keep an eye on: McLeod Bethel Thompson 
benched twice in the same game. It's pretty it's hard unfortunate. To do. Pretty unfortunate. Uh, I think he was going for the record. Uh, Dakota Prukop coming in. Uh, he loves to run. Real athlete. Used to play special teams and hit guys down the field. Uh, some guys are pretty high on Dakota Prukop. Have we seen enough of McLeod Bethel Thompson? Is it time to make a change for the Toronto Argonauts? Does it matter what they do at quarterback at this point? This is the most... I'm starting to get to the point where, like, you're pulling your hair out with Toronto because, like, it shouldn't be this bad. I'm not saying that Toronto should be, you know, knocking on the door to be challenging Hamilton atop the East Division, but for them to be where they are with some of the players that exist on that team and, and some of the, the people that exist in that coaching staff, it's it's just hard to wrap your head around how the Argos have been as, as bad as they've been. So if you're them, it, it wasn't working with Franklin. Bethel Thompson came in and was okay, but I don't think that at this stage in the game, a, a journeyman quarterback is going to be the answer for them to win games. So what more do you have to lose to try somebody else? The, the worst you can do is go back to Bethel Thompson if, if Prukop doesn't work out. But if I'm them, I definitely am thinking about it. No questions asked because you need a shot in the arm and you need a shot in the arm worse than you have in a long, long time. They, so if they were to go to him, wouldn't surprise me, and wouldn't you do it at this stage of the game? You can't do worse than putting up a goose egg. You really can't. Oh, you could throw a bunch of pick sixes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be a, a whole new low <laughs> that I guess has not been achieved yet. Um, sure, why not? Go. I, I'm with Pat. What do they have to lose? I haven't been down on McLeod too much up until this recent game. No, you keep he was, playing him. He was tough. I played him once. Well. And that, it was a bad game to choose him. Yeah. I said, okay, he's putting up 15, 20 points a week. He's still under 6K. You know what? I'm going to take my chances. And, uh, well, sure enough. But you know what? I haven't minded his play. Uh, he's a journeyman, though. You're right. And I think it was Pat who used that word, journeyman. How many teams has McLeod Bethel Thompson played for in his in his professional football career? A lot. And sometimes you'd like to think it's going to work out for that 15th team giving him a chance. But maybe it's not. And you know what? Yeah, there's some problems around him too. It's kind of like the BC Lions and Mike Riley. That's not all on Mike Riley and BC. It's not all on the quarterback in Toronto. And, and I, I know Pat's ready to write off James Franklin. It sounds like I'm not there yet either. I think Franklin starts again at some point this year. Uh, and they give him another shot to see what he can do he, as he works his way back from injury. He played a game and, well, pretty much the most of two games, and he had his struggles. But I still think there's some there's some upside with James Franklin. But I want to see what Dakota Prukop can do. He's a guy that's been in the league for a few years now, third season in the league. He's had a chance to learn the CFL game, to develop patiently. And, yeah, there's a learning curve. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be incredible off the hop. But let's see if there's something there. Let's see if there's a spark. Well, even in a game where there were zero points scored for the Argos, Darrell Walker had 13.5 points. He's almost up to $9,000. If you have to take an Argo, are you looking at him? Are all Argos off limits at this point with them struggling this hard? Jeff, where are you on this one? Because as much as I think Darrell Walker is one of the top one, two, or three most talented and impactful receivers in the CFL, I still have a hard time starting anybody in double blue at $9,000. So for me, that still scares me, but I'm curious where you are. I took him last week, and I was satisfied with the result. And that was against a tough Eskimos defense where the Argos did virtually nothing. So... The thing about Darrell Walker is that offense now runs through him. And I'm no longer concerned, like in the first few weeks of the season, with whether Darrell Walker is going to get the targets. So for that reason, I'm happy to get Darrell Walker in my lineup. He's the one player that they can rely on to be open all the time. And whoever that quarterback is, whatever success he has, Darrell Walker is going to be getting the football. So... I look at what Walker did last time against Winnipeg, had one of the best games of his career. Uh, he's got that Winnipeg matchup again. I'm in on Drell Walker having a good game. I could trust him like any, certainly like any of those other top-priced receivers. I mean, you look at Greg Ellingson, who's done very little the last two games as well. 
Yeah, I'm good with Drell Walker. Bombers picked up their first loss of the season in Week 7 against the Ticats, even without Mazzoli. They were a little bit exposed after just one interception in his first five games. Matt Nichols threw three picks. Is this the start of a slump or is this one bad game? Because it was a very different looking Bombers team than anything else we've seen so far this season. Did Hannah jinx this thing by not making the Bombers her Grey Cup pick last week? I'm not doing it. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I think so. All right. Blame me. I think Matt Nichols heard it and got rattled. I think that's what happened. By me saying I'm not making a prediction? There can be no other explanation. Yeah, you're right. That's on me, guys. I'm sorry, Matt. Can we just maybe chalk it up to he had a tough game against good Hamilton defense? I mean, Matt Nichols has been – he has not been spectacular this year, but has there been a more consistent and just steady quarterback – than what he's been able to do. I, like, I know he had a tough game, but and I know that this podcast has tended to not always be his biggest booster, but to sit here and say, well, here it comes, here comes the slump for <laughs> a Bombers team that just lost for the first time and lost to the second-best team in the league statistically, I, I'm not ready to say this is the start of the slump. I, I think from a fantasy standpoint, Nichols is what he is. He's never going to blow the doors off for you. He's never going to be the guy that leads your team in scoring. But I don't think this is the start of a slump. He probably, more often than not, is going to give you decent return on his pretty modest price tag. And, and I don't think that just because he had one tough game, that all of a sudden is going to change. You're right and you're wrong. And you're right because he played a very good Hamilton Tiger Cats defense that deserves full credit for what happened out there. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the better defensive efforts I've seen all season, uh, even including the Eskimos' shutout this week. Shutting down that Bomber offense, that was an incredible uh, achievement by the Ticats defense. And, and, yeah, they made life really tough on Matt Nichols. You're also right in that Nichols has had a very good season up to this point. I've had no reason to be critical. I've been very impressed. And... I gladly said coming into this past week that Matt Nichols was playing like the best quarterback in the CFL. Didn't say he is the the best quarterback in the CFL, but he was playing like it. Now, here's where I disagree a little bit. Here comes the but. There is a but. (laughs) And it's not a pretty one because Matt Nichols has been a streaky player in his career. That's the way this thing has gone. And there's a reason that people don't get that excited when Nichols comes up and puts up these good numbers for sustained periods because sustained periods of success for Matt Nichols are usually followed by a dip. I hope this isn't a dip because I like the Bombers. I still think they're the Grey Cup favorite. They're my team to win the Grey Cup right now and I'll say that even after losing this game. To me, this is a blip on the radar. To me, this is not a sign of things to come. However, however, I think it's fair for people to be a little bit skeptical and to say and to wonder and to watch a little more closely, is Matt Nichols going to bounce back from this and continue to put up elite numbers? I don't think there's any alarm bells going off in Winnipeg, though. I don't think anyone's really panicking. It can be hard to prep as hard and come out as hard on a winning streak. You get a little bit complacent. I think it's a little bit of that. I think this is a wake-up call that was probably needed. And, you know, personally, I look at the weather and say, oh, my God, it was 30 degrees and humid. I can't play sports in that. Yeah, strange things happen when it's hot. Yeah. But it's unacceptable. (laughs) That was a game between the two best teams in the CFL. I mean, there's no Yeah, you should be able to get up for that game. Yeah. This is an example. And, yeah, the weather's a little different. But this is an example of what it's going to be like in November. Things are not going to be easy for Matt Nichols in November. You know who's prepped for November weather? People who live in Winnipeg, who practice and spend most of their time there. It's cold everywhere in Canada. Yeah, but they're ready. It's cold in Hamilton in November, too. (laughs) Come on. You're not giving me that. I'm just saying they'll be more prepped for that than they probably are for this because it is a struggle. Uh, Sticking with Winnipeg, Chris Matthews looks like he should be in the lineup in Week 8. He's only been in there twice. Is this the kind of guy who needs to be in all the time? It seemed like they were pulling the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And after a loss, should be finding his way in. Uh, Should he be in and should he stay in? I don't know, because we've talked a lot, and, and 
this Bombers team going up against Toronto, okay, yeah, put Matthews in and see what he can do. And this this seems like a really nice time for him to maybe have his first big game of the year because prior to him going down with injury for a little bit there, like we, we were talking about Matthews being just okay. And, and we weren't talking about big-time numbers that he was putting up. So... I get it. Like I get why it's it's tough to make a change when you're the only unbeaten team in the league and you've got as deep a group of receivers as they've got. But I still think Matthews has got the potential to be a big time. Like we weren't completely off base when we were talking about him being a really nice sleeper pick earlier on. He's got a big body. We saw what he did with Calgary down the stretch last year and what he did with the Stampeders in the postseason. And we know that Winnipeg has got uh, a very solid offense. So I still think Matthews can be a big part of that offense, but I can understand why I can understand why it's been a little bit of a slow start for him. In saying that, I still think there's some big-time fantasy upside there, and I'm I'm looking at him in a big way as potentially being in my lineup this week. I watched the interview with Chris Matthews on BlueBombers.com, and he seems like a guy that wants to get in the lineup. He's hungry. He wants to eat. He wants to get in the lineup. He wants Matt Nichols to feed him. He wants Matt Nichols to put the, put the bib on him and feed him and, and get him that football uh-huh. over and over and over again. He's got something to prove. He's tired of guys wondering, where's the production? He says, I'm not done yet. I, I'm not done yet. I got big numbers to put up. But you know what? Um, to me, Chris Matthews has sort of become dependent on the big play, right? And that scares you a little bit in fantasy. Less so against the Argos because they tend to give up the big play. And those big play opportunities might be there. So this might be the week uh, that it's worth having Chris Matthews on your radar. But... I'm equally enticed to go with Lucky Whitehead at his current price or, or Kenny Lawler, who was my money pick last week. Uh, it didn't hit double digits, but still uh, over seven points, which you don't mind for a $2,500 player. He's there again this week. There are other options there. And if Darvin Adams uh, and Drew Wolitarski are both out, um, those three guys that I just mentioned, I think they've all got a chance to put up really good production at a good price. Yeah. So I, I think you can't go wrong there. Well, and Lucky Whitehead has been a little bit boomer bust too. He's either hitting thirty points or three points. It's it's hard to see what you're gonna get. He's kind of got a twenty eighteen Terry Williams role, doing a lot of return stuff. I wanna see him more involved in the pass game. Because the way it's going, if he's spending the bulk of his time doing returns, unless you're doing a, a double kick return game, uh your your total's not gonna be there. We can't all be Ryan Lankford, so. Another doubleheader on Thursday, Hamilton in Saskatchewan. Malik Irons had a pretty good game against the Bombers. We kind of said, you know, maybe don't start running backs against that Bombers D, but he still put up 10 points. Are you looking at him? Is he on your radar against Sask? He's got to find the end zone. He's got to find the end zone. I liked liked his role. I like his role in that offense, so, yeah, I'd consider him. I mean, tough rider front four there, uh, especially the interior, that rider D-line. But I like the role. I like what I've seen so far. Yeah, it's it's an interesting pick. And I like the fact that he was targeted a little bit in the passing game. And the fact that we saw him touch the ball through the air on four occasions. And when you're talking about a PPR league, yeah, I, I think that, that that gave me... Because it wasn't as if he was incredible it's not like we came away saying oh watch out that guy's going to be the next superstar and that's no disrespect to him but I I didn't mind him the fact that he got involved in the passing game at any time you can have a running back at a decent price that you know is going to get two or three or more touches through the air and you can get those bonus points in PPR they become really intriguing so he was okay on the ground he had the big uh, he had the big 20 plus gain and then we saw him we saw him catch the ball four times so yeah he's he's an interesting player to watch now he did it against a really solid Winnipeg defense that you know again kept it below their rushing average, which has been solid all year long. Going up against the SAS front four, as you said, Jeff, that's that's going to be a challenge. But if he can put up 50 yards and then 20 yards to the air on five catches, at that price, I think that you can be okay with it. So he's an, he's, he's an intriguing player for Week 8, for sure. Is the Hamilton defense kind of moving into that category where you avoid playing guys against them? They had three picks, two fumble recoveries last week, but that's 
not really the norm we've been seeing from that them. That was their most effective game so far. So do you avoid Sask in this one, or do you just, you know, take some caution when you're picking them or avoid altogether? The only team that seems to have really figured out Hamilton this year is the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, they frustrated the Bombers last week to no end. They really got to Calgary there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Arbuckle, uh, tough game for him and the Calgary running backs. The Stamps wouldn't even run the ball against the Ticats. Yeah, I'm a little scared based off the, the recent history uh, of what that Ticat defense has been doing to fantasy opponents so far this year. They seem like a team that you go take a look at them statistically, and you know, they've done a really good job. I mean, they're number three in terms of points allowed this year. They've been kind of that bend but don't break off uh, defense, rather, at least statistically, because they've been giving up yards to the air. They've been giving up yards on the ground. But I take more of a look at how they're trending and what we've seen from them of late. And and I'm kind of with you, Jeff. They look like they're trending in the direction of being one of the better defenses in the CFL. So, you know, is this a scenario where you don't play players against them? No, I'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting that, but they're not, they're not what you would call a favorable matchup at this point of the game. I think you always have to be at least somewhat cautious if you're going to play, play players against the Ticats. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I definitely think that the Ticats are the biggest test that Cody Fajardo will face so far. And this is when things this things are getting difficult for the riders. This is a real yeah. interesting test from them the next five or six weeks, and it starts with Hamilton, no doubt. Well, that's the thing, and, and I'll I'll jump ahead of Hannah here who before she brings us to our next topic, but you look at who the riders have beaten this year and who Fajardo's best games have been against, and you're talking about uh, twice now against the BC Lions and earlier in the year against the Toronto Argonauts. And those two teams have a combined one victory this year. They are not juggernauts, to say the least, uh, offensively or defensively. And I really do think that uh, the Ticats teams, like, especially teams like Hamilton, uh, some of those upcoming opponents, they're going to give Cody Fajardo a real test that he hasn't seen so far. Yeah, I guess it's that difference between how they perform in real life and how they perform in fantasy. I think there's still some pretty good totals going on uh, for Cody Fajardo and for his receivers. So I don't know. They, they might not be pulling out wins, but they're still putting up numbers in this game. Speaking of which, how, how do you guys choose between Kyra Moore and Shaq Evans? Because they're at the point now where you can't get both in your lineup. And I saw some people try that last week. Did I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it gets difficult it, it, at this point because uh, their value goes up as they produce more. Um, how do you choose between those two guys? To be fair, they're still cheaper than a Brandon Banks. Fair. I don't think we're out of the territory where you can't afford both. I wish I'd swapped my week six and week seven lineups because <laughs> I had William Powell in week six and I had these guys in week seven. So yeah, my lock of the week for week six came in a week too late. <laughs> I don't think it's too soon to or I don't think it's too expensive to take both if you want both. If you feel good about the matchup, I don't think that's this week, but it's still doable. I don't love the matchup, you're right, but I do think that the interesting thing is, is it, it how many games are you going to get where both guys are big-time producers? Because I think you've got a chance of, of having a few of them. I take a look at, now, I'm, I'm not trying to compare Cody Fajardo to Mike Riley in Edmonton with, you know, Darrell Walker and Adarius Bowman, but I mean, there have been, we have seen plenty of games with really talented receivers where both guys can put up really solid numbers. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's crazy to talk about putting more and Evans in your lineup in terms of how you choose, choose between them. It's really just a preference thing. If you're only going to take one of them, it's a roll of the dice. Two weeks ago, it was all about Evans. Last week, Moore was the better guy. He had the touchdown and Evans didn't. So yeah, that's, that's more of a roll of a dice or flip of a coin. Getting both of them in, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. That's not totally crazy. I just don't see an offense set up for success to have both those guys go off in the same game. That's in where three, I stand. In three of their six weeks, they've both been above 15 points. I, I, I don't see it happening too often down the road. I'm just not... 
I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a Toronto BC thing, and maybe I have to. I have. I need a little more proof and have to get that out of my head first. But I, this isn't a Riders offense that I can see going out there and, and give them credit. Their the offense overall is ranked third in the CFL right now. I don't see them going out there and throwing for 400 yards in, in many games the rest of the season. That's just not what they do. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not. I'm not betting on it this week, but I'm. I'm still willing to take a look at that option going forward the friday night game red blacks in montreal they've both been streaking one in a positive way one a little bit more negatively are the red blacks close to breaking out of that losing slump they started off so strong and have faded in the weeks that have passed yeah four straight losses for ottawa after a 2-0 start I don't know if they're ready to snap out of it. All I know is that if they're going to, this is the week to do it because Montreal's been a very strong team. They're coming off a bye. They're feeling good about themselves. They should be feeling good about themselves. Defense rounding into form. Vernon Adams Jr. is knocking on the door to maybe turning himself into a full-time starter. They've got big-time playmakers from Stanback to a couple of those receivers that are really starting to show what they're all about. So Montreal should be feeling good about themselves. But a win by Ottawa, all of a sudden they snap their losing skid and they move within a half game of the of the Alouettes. It's a big head-to-head game for Ottawa. So am I ready to sit here and put a bunch of Red Blacks in my lineup? I'm not. I'm just saying that if there's a game for Ottawa to take seriously midway through the season, this would be the one. There's a lot of implications here. So do I see this? I, I still think Montreal is going to win this game. I think they're the better team, and I think they're set up in a better position to win. But this is a big game for for Ottawa. And if you believe in that type of motivation and you know guys stepping up when it really matters, uh, this might be the game to look at for you. I'd like the Red Blacks a heck of a lot more if Dom Davis and R.J. Harris were both back in the lineup this week. I really think they've missed Dom Davis. And the fact that we talked about a quarterback controversy going into the season – or not so much a controversy, but a, a training camp battle. Um, that seems like ancient history at this point because Dominic Davis is head and shoulders to me. Uh, he's the number one guy right now, and, and this offense was much better with him in the lineup. So, yeah, he, he's thrown seven picks. He's only thrown three touchdown passes. Those numbers aren't flattering. But I thought he moved the offense well, and he did a lot with his legs. Uh, and he can make all the throws as well. If Davis is back... Uh, if R.J. Harris gets back in there, even Brad Sinopoli broke out of his shell a little bit yeah. for the first time last week. I think there's some potential there, and I think there's some value to be had with the Ottawa Red Blacks this week. I see a pretty high-scoring game there, to be honest. Yeah, I'm interested in this game. I've got a lot of my salary tied up on this game, not necessarily on the Red Blacks. Uh, Brad Sinopoli was a bit of a breakout last week, had his best total since week one, finally hit 20 points. Have they finally figured out what to do with him? Is this a Darrell Walker situation where they were maybe not quite using him properly and now they've figured it out? He is one of those type of players that, especially if you've got a younger quarterback, a first-time starting quarterback like Dom Davis is, and you've got a player like Brad Sinopoli, run the offense through him. And they weren't doing that so much early on. And we'll see what happens in terms of Ottawa's quarterback situation for week eight. But I'm hoping that that's the case because he's a talented enough player to like there's I don't know if there's a better over-the-middle possession receiver in the Canadian Football League than Sinopoli, and a guy that is able to be reliable in that role. And also, when you're talking about explosiveness and yards after the catch, like that, that, that type of stuff, he doesn't spade. So if I'm, if I'm Ottawa, I'm feeding it to... You talk about how Chris Matthews wants to get fed. Well, Sinopoli is a high-volume receiver and should be because he's that good. So hopefully that's what Ottawa has started to figure out because when he's on, he's as exciting as it gets in this league. I want to see Dominique Davis throwing it to Brad Sinopoli on second down. Every second down. All the time. Second down, <laughs> throw it to Brad Sinopoli because... That's, that's, that's your best chance of converting a second down. That's what Brad Sinopoli has been to the Ottawa Red Blacks. So I don't There's understand. not a better guy in the league at doing that. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't understand why that wasn't there, why that was absent in the first month or so of the season. But they need to get back to that because when they started targeting Sinopoli in clutch situations last game, he came through. 
He gave the Red Blacks a chance to win that football game. He's the priciest receiver in this game at seventy-three fifty. You looking to get him in your lineup? He's he's definitely on the radar for me because I'm I'm not that far off. I could see some points in this game, and if that's the case, Sinopoli should be pretty heavily involved. I, you would hope, anyway. I just it's. I got to see it again. I got to see it one more time where he's getting the targets because he was just far too invisible through the first portion of the season for me. At running back, there's a lot of value going on right now. Shaq Cooper at 5,500, Malik Irons at 4,500. So are you looking at John Crockett in that price category? He's sitting at $4,500 as it stands for this Friday game. He had... Uh, eight and a half points rushing. He had one reception. He on your radar? He's in my lineup right now. All right. So, He's yes. There. He's there. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So, yes, the answer for me would be yes as well. Because still at $4,500, we haven't seen him take that big price bump. Uh, I, I do think it's pretty clear that he's the preferred number one running back there. And, and I think that there's a little bit more dynamic ability with Crockett than we saw with Madhu. So, yeah, I, I, he's on my radar. He's in my lineup too, Jeff, at, at $4,500. If you can get 10 to 12 points at that and then your other bigger-priced or higher-priced players come through too, you're feeling pretty good about that type of, uh, that type of play. What I like about John Crockett, is he's got a chance to become the featured part of this offense. And you don't see that with many running backs in the CFL. But he suddenly is in a situation where he could be their top weapon uh, in any given game. So, uh, so far he's, he's had no shortage of opportunities. And I think they continue to pound the rock with John Crockett. Alouette's coming off the bye. Haven't seen big play VA in a little bit. Big play VA! Jeff's favorite yes. clip. Yes. I should just save that and put it in whenever we Love talk it. about him so you don't have to do that every time. It's all right. Just drop it in. Gives the podcast a little jolt of energy. <laughs> they can hear us down on Wellington. They sure can. Not very sound. Someone's walking by the building and all of a sudden... Startled. Big play VA. Well, I'm, I'm high on the Alouettes this week. Spoiler, big play VA in my lineup. Are you guys feeling as good about them as I am because I agree I think this is the high scoring game of the week I uh Jeff you'll be proud of me I'm looking at it right now at at just under $7,400 my starting quarterback in week eight is Vernon Adams Jr. He's got he's he's got the you've made me a believer he's the and so is Vernon Adams he's and and especially in our game you know like I, I still think that I'm a little bit more reserved on him as an overall quarterback and winning games and getting it done in the postseason and all that type of stuff but that has nothing to do with our game our game is about what type of points he can put up. And when you've got the ability to run the ball like he can, when you've got the ability to bust out running touchdowns like he can, yeah, I think, I think Vernon Adams at 73-59 for Week 8 is, is one of the top quarterback plays. He's my top quarterback play, and, and he's, he's uh, I, I, I can't totally give it away. He would be my lock of the week, but he won't be for other reasons. Hmm. But he's right at the top of my, he's right at the top of my quarterback list. How's that? Yeah, I, I like him too, and he's my quarterback right now as well. So, I, I don't know without without giving anything away, mm. we, we could have he could be on a lot of fantasy rosters this week. A lot of people are buying the Vernon Adams hype. Uh, it, it's a matchup that you don't mind against the Red Blacks, and uh, you love the dual threat ability. This is quickly becoming the year of the quarterback, and and we're not talking about big name guys like Mike yeah, Riley you're and the Trevor backup. Harris. Yeah. Well, if he's our top quarterback play who's our top running back play in week eight William Powell Andrew Harris William Stanback the three most expensive running backs in the game Powell's up at eleven thousand dollars sorry ten thousand Harris up at eleven thousand Stanback more reasonable at eighty nine hundred where are you guys looking for your RB1 and I, and I should add that this was written earlier before information was available to us but it sounds like CJ Gable plays this week probably you sound I'm confident. I'm going out on a whim here and saying C.J. Gable returns. So if he does, he's in that RB1 conversation too. Even still, 
The guy for me is Harris. When you're going up against uh, an Argos offense that has been torched game after game after game on the ground, I don't know how you can't like that Andrew Harris play against the Argos. Like We're talking about almost 140 yards on the ground against the Toronto's given up per game. That, to me, seems like nothing but uh, a fertile ground for a guy like Andrew Harris. So for me, Harris would be number one in terms of my running backs this week. I like the other plays, too. I mean, I, I certainly think Standback's got a ni- nice matchup against Ottawa, but Standback would be right behind Harris in terms of my rankings, but it's close. Well, as long as he doesn't lose carries to Johnny Augustine in the fourth quarter, then I'm, then I'm fine with it. Uh, yeah, it's just that the... Darn, that salary is hard for me to get on my roster. Yeah. It really limits me. Limits my creativity. <laughs> you know? Feeling smothered by a, an Andrew yeah, Harris salary? It's, just, it's such a commitment. And to, and to make that commitment so early in the week. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great matchup. And uh, you're, you're pretty much... Well, I'll be shocked if he gets under 20. Um, but to commit, that, to, to commit that dollar figure, you've got to be talking 30-plus points. So I'm, a, I'm on William Stanback. Um, I, I just think that this is a, such a talented running back that is yet to hit full stride in the CFL. He's had that one amazing breakout game. It kind of left me looking for more. I'm looking for another one of those big games against the Ottawa Red Blacks this week. He had 100 yards against Ottawa. Last time they played, no catches, though. I think Stanback is a really big part of that offense with, with big play VA this week. I'm not saying a whole lot different. I've been trying to get Andrew Harris in my lineup. Haven't figured it out yet at that, at that price tag. So Standback is there right now, but I'm, I'm still tinkering. I want Harris in that lineup. Um, of the five relatively cheap backup quarterbacks, we're talking Nick Arbuckle, Cody Fajardo, Vernon Adams, Dom Davis, Dane Evans. We've already said our top play is Vernon Adams, but who are you definitely staying away from in that group? It seems like we're all in relative agreement here that Vernon Adams is, is the guy this week. Yeah. Out of those... Uh, and it's funny that the conversations we had earlier about all the injuries, maybe this just becomes one of those years where a lot of these young guys emerge and they, they start to make up that next wave of star quarterbacks in the CFL. So sometimes, uh, sometimes when one door closes, another, I'm losing myself here. Come on, you another can do it. One, another one opens, a window opens. I don't know. Nope. It's, it's, this one's pretty simple. It's when one door closes, another one opens. It's I think pretty... that's what I said. Well, yeah. you went with window and you were unsuccessful. The window is definitely open for these quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, one quarterback who might have a tough time uh, putting footballs through that window this week is Dane Evans. I just It's a tough matchup on the road against the Riders. I know that our guy Marshall Ferguson, CFL.ca, Pat already mentioned it. He's high on him. A lot of people think that, that, that Dane Evans, he's got the big arm. He's got a high ceiling. But, man, that's hard to trust going into Ryderville for your first big start. Yeah, I hate to agree. I hate to agree with you, but I will. Uh, because, yeah, I, well, we talked about it off the top. Hamilton, a lot of their players kind of on our very wait-and-see list and, and probably wait for Week 8 and, and very much included in that for me is, is Dane Evans. So of all those guys, yeah, I've got, I've got Adams in my lineup, but I'd feel more comfortable putting Arbuckle, Fajardo, and Davis in over Evans at this point. I just want to see what Evans can do. And, and against a really good Saskatchewan defense, I want to see what he can do. And look, if he goes in to Mosaic Stadium on a Thursday night and is able to have a solid game in that hornet's nest, that's going to tell me something. But I'm not ready to put him in my lineup in Week 8, I'll say that much. How about a Battle of Alberta that doesn't have a lot of fanfare? No Mike Riley, no Bo Levi Mitchell. So who's the guy? Who's the guy in this game that we should be watching? Cool. This is 
three of the next six weeks these two teams play one another because they play each other this weekend and then obviously the traditional Labor Day and uh, following week matchup they do every single year. This this could this could decide a lot because after Winnipeg loses to Hamilton, you've got Calgary and Edmonton right there, right behind them. This, uh, this is three pretty important games with some pretty important playoff implications on them. Who's the player to watch? I'm going to go, that's, that's a tough one because there's, there's two really interesting ways you can go. I'm going to go Trevor Harris on this one because Harris did not do so well against the Stampeders the last time he played them as a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks. It was the Grey Cup. It was Harris's first opportunity to go up against this Stamps team. And, and look, the, the, the Stampeders put together a pretty dominant Grey Cup performance and, and won last November. I want to see what Harris can do against the Stampeders going into McMahon in his first ever Battle of Alberta. You know, he's, he's been a part of uh, games against Toronto before. And, but he's never really been a part of a rivalry quite like this one. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he can do against his provincial rival. So I'm going to go Trevor Harris as the guy to watch just because the last time he played against Calgary, the way th- things went, and the fact that this is his first matchup in the Battle of Alberta. I'm going to cheat a little bit and go with a, a two-pronged response here. I, I'm going I'd expect with, nothing else I'm from you, I'm going with Jeff. Nick Arbuckle and Eric Rogers. And sorry, Hannah, if that steals your answer, but... I think that early in his career, Nick Arbuckle looks like a really good quarterback and looks like he could have a long career as a starter in this league, albeit probably not with Calgary. Probably he moves on somewhere else. Uh, But I want to see that connection with Eric Rogers because those two have not always been on the same page over the last few weeks. They've had some trouble hooking up. Eric Rogers not getting the volume. Uh, He's used to not seeing the results in the red zone that he's used to and Nick Arbuckle two of his last three games hasn't found the end zone so I want to see Eric Rogers take over a game like he did in the Western Final last year with that three touchdown performance like I know he can because that guy when he is on his game and he is getting the targets he is unstoppable he is the most unstoppable player the biggest unstoppable force in the CFL so I want to see the Eric Rogers show that's what I want to see this weekend Definitely the highest ceiling there. Has only come close to it once, though. And it's a tough Eskimos defense, too. So you're talking about best on best. That's what I want to see. That's what excites me. Got the excitement in my eyes right now. I'm fired up. His eyes are twinkling. It's true. Eric Rogers. Uh, Based on how you wrote this question, I think that you mean yes here, Jeff. But of all the offseason signings in Edmonton, was Ricky Collins maybe the best one? Yeah, I wrote the question, and and I agree. Seems with a bit my leading. Own, I agree yeah. with my own uh, my own thesis statement here. I want to hear your thoughts, Pat. You're saying that he's better than Trevor Harris. Listen, right beside Ricky Collins are the words low key. Like Trevor <laughs> Harris was high key, and Devaris Daniels was pretty high key too. But nobody really talked about Ricky Collins. I'm just saying. Somehow so, this guy that, flew under so, the radar. So does in the that off-season. mean that? I'm just confused, that's all. Like, <laughs> does low-key mean what? like second or third? I guess I'm using this opportunity to gush about Ricky Collins. Yeah. You don't have to agree with me. It's fine. <laughs> but that guy is but a But is he, is he the best signing? Or is he low-key one of the best signing? I don't know. What, what's the difference? Come on. Low-key. Low-key. Like... The best signing that nobody's talking about. The best signing that no one's talking about is Ricky Collins. I'm telling you that now. And that's the Eskimos receiver I want on my fantasy team right now. Tavares Daniels, eh. He's been injured. (laughs) Didn't play last week. Good when he played. Uh, Greg Ellingson, two weeks in a row, eh. Single-digit production. Mm -hmm. Ricky Collins, yeah, he's had a week or two of single-digit point production. But... I don't know. When I watch him, he's just, he's so good. And they get him the football, uh, put him in positions where he can get yards after the catch. He's such an athlete. Um, He goes deep. They target him down the field. He's got good hands. Like, I love what I've seen from Ricky Collins and the way he fits into that offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season we're talking about Ricky Collins as the Edmonton Eskimos' biggest uh, point producer on the entire team. Well, okay, quarterbacks don't count. Quarterbacks don't count. (laughs) Okay, so that, again, there are no rules to this, so I didn't know how to answer your question. He's been a good signing, and he's fit really nicely on that offense. So 
sure, low key, he's been their best signing. I, I don't know what that means, but he's been pretty. He's been a pretty good addition. Pat, you're old, man. You just finished telling us how you you've been at Rogers for like 15 years. I, I get it. You just don't get the the new lingo words that people say like low key. Probably, probably true. It's the children who are wrong. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> I think it's time for the three-minute warning. Yeah, we've hit the three-minute warning. Bring it in. Rod. (laughs) Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. Three-minute warning means we're picking our money picks, our locks of the week. Jeff, I know it's Monday, but you got to lock someone. This whole room has changed in the last week because last week we were sitting at, like, a high top. Yeah. A very small high top, so Hannah and I were pretty close. And uh, now we've got this huge table Anyway, um, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick a lock of the week on Monday. Two weeks ago, I complained about having to pick a lock so early because I ended up changing it. Anyway, this week, my lock is William Stanback. I'm on the big guy. I'm a firm believer that this is the best running back in the CFL right now. I'm willing to say that. I'm willing to put that out there. William Stanback is, is going to carry the Montreal Alouettes to an East Division title this year. That is my early prediction. Mm. That is me getting way too excited about the Alouettes. But, hey, I, I haven't seen a running back that can do what William Stanback can do in a while in this league. He is a total package. Feed that man the football. He's my lock of the week. Don't we usually start with money picks? Anyway. Yeah, Jeff just dove in. I actually you wasn't said, done talking. You said lock. I was mid-sentence. <laughs> I swear you said lock. Well, we can't go back now. No, we're we're starting with we're locks. We're not turning back now. Pat, who's your lock? <laughs> okay, my lock of the week. We already we already talked about him. Andrew Harris. I think that matchup is just too good for Winnipeg against Toronto, especially the way that Toronto's been torched on the ground. And I just think that's that's too good a matchup for uh, even at eleven thousand dollars. I know that's expensive. I do, and I don't usually put players that expensive in my lineup. This week, I have to. So, Andrew Harrison, Winnipeg, my lock of the week. And I stole the lock of the week from Pat because it's big play VA. This one could come back to haunt me because I got a whole lot of alouettes in my lineup, but they're coming off a bye. They've got three straight wins against good teams, Hamilton, Edmonton, and he previously put up 36 points game-wise against the Red Blacks. I see another big game coming. I see a high-scoring game coming. So big play VA, I'm locking him in. Let's uh, switch to money picks, oddly enough. Hmm, wow, we're all out of order here. Come on, Hannah, keep it straight. Well, I tried, but you are an absolute wild card. So, Pat, who you got for a money pick? I'm going to go with Corey Watson, uh, (laughs) under $3,500, so he qualifies. He touched the ball a lot in that game last week, uh, and I think he's probably going to be a guy. Like, I don't think we're ever talking about him having massive red zone totals or anything like that, but if you can get five catches for him in the 45-50 yard range, you're probably all right with under $3,500. So I'll go Corey Watson in Saskatchewan as they take on Hamilton. See that Pat is a firm believer in the Hannah spreadsheet science, or voodoo or whatever you want to call it no he's just copying my money pick from last week so it's fine i doubted the cory watson pick but he came through yeah i had the best money pick last week it's on record i'm gonna go with the second straight week of brandon burks and uh, i talked about it off the top of the show but if james wilder's out the kid's just too talented not to take and at roughly twenty six hundred dollars I have to think that Jock Chapdelan and the Argos are going to find more ways to get him the football. And at that salary, if you're, if you're talking two, three catches, uh, 40 or 50 rushing yards, you can live with that. It still helps your, it still helps your bottom line, still, still gives you some cap flexibility. So Brandon Burks is a guy that I'm looking to get into my lineup as long as he's starting and James Wilder's out of the picture. Uh, Wilder, as Hannah mentioned in the Fantasy Flash, uh, not practicing early in the week. And for me, the spreadsheet is pointing straight to Jake Weineke of the Alouettes. So double Alouettes for me. He is very quietly putting up points in Montreal. He's got touchdowns in three of his last four games. He seems to be Vernon Adams' favorite red zone target, and he's only $2,500. So he only needs one or two catches to get you to double digits because one of them more likely than not going into that end zone. Jake Weineke, take a look at him if you're stuck at $2,500. 
All right, guys, that'll wrap us up for another week. Eight weeks will be in the books when we talk again next week. So make sure to uh, check out all that we've got on CFL.ca and get your lineups in. But that'll do it for our week eight edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. We don't know what's going on in Montreal with guys like BJ Cunningham, Devere Posey. Uh, does James Wilder Jr. end up playing? Lots up in the air. Keep it tuned to CFL.ca for all of those updates, uh, status reports, projections. That's my favorite thing. I go and see who each player that I want to pick is projected for uh, in the upcoming week from Daily Roto. Hannah's giving me the stare down, so I'll talk a little bit less. Last thing, check out the waggle. Davis Sanchez, Donovan Bennett. They're getting you ready for week eight. And don't forget to subscribe and check us out every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us on cfl.ca. That'll do it for this week's CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Of course, we're all on Twitter. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Hannah's at HL Nordman. Jeff is at Jeff Creever. Enjoy four weeks in week number eight on the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. We'll talk to you for week nine. Enjoy playing, everybody. Woo!